Welcome to Palmdale United Methodist Church's podcast for Sunday, November 8th, 2020. May God use this as a blessing to you today. Let us pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So last week, Monday, was Dia de los Muertos, or the Day of the Dead. It's a holiday that originated in Mexico, and it encompasses the Catholic traditions of All Saints Day and All Souls Day, November 1st and 2nd, respectively. The holiday remembers friends, family, and other loved ones who have died, and includes setting up family altars called ofrendas in their memory. It's a very festive and celebratory holiday. It's not sad or solemn at all. Disney's 2017 feature film Coco is set in Mexico around the Dia de los Muertos holiday. It's the story of young Miguel, a budding musician whose talents are being stifled because of his family's past history. The movie takes place both in the land of the living and in the realm of the dead, and the colors in this film are just breathtaking. It's a compelling story about family and love, as well as past pain mixed with the difficult challenge of forgiveness. If you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend it. Welcome to the second week in our three-week sermon series entitled, Do You Want to Be Healed?, the Bible and Mental Wholeness. And although this is a short series, I believe it's extremely important. According to the organization Mental Health America, <clears throat> one in five Americans will have a diagnosable mental health condition in any given year. And 46% of us Americans will have a diagnosable mental health condition over the course of our lifetimes. And with half of those people developing those conditions by as early as age 14, this affects all of us. This is serious stuff, friends, and, and it's connecting to us personally or those close to us, including our very youngest among us. This past September, five of us church staff went up to Wrightwood for our annual uh, staff retreat. We spent two days together. We planned for the upcoming Christmas season. We spent time scripture journaling and praying together. We ate together. We played games together, laughed together. And we also uh, watched some really good teaching videos on leadership together. Lisa Turkhurst is an author and a speaker. And we watched the talk that she gave to this past uh, 2020's Leadership Summit. It was a powerful message called Hindrance to Innovation. And as I listened to it, and it was geared for, for pastors and church leaders, I, I, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge my heart and, and tell me that this is something I'm going to need to include in this upcoming series. And because I plan my series so much in advance, I'm always thinking and praying about what it is that God may want to use and include in those messages. Lisa tells the story of how just a few years ago she found out that her husband, after 25 years of marriage, had been unfaithful to her. And as you can imagine, it, it devastated her. It ripped their marriage apart. But, but it was a moment when her counselor had, had, that changed her whole perspective on how to move forward through her pain. Lisa said she had taken the 
difficult but important step of going to seek professional help uh, with her overwhelming feelings of betrayal and, and the soul-crushing effects of her husband's infidelity. And she had been a wreck mentally, emotionally, physically when she entered her counselor's office. And on this one particular counseling session, he began by asking her a simple question. In fact, it's the question of our series. Do you want to be healed? And of course, without even hesitating, she responded, yes, of course. And what he said next took her completely by surprise. Then Lisa, he said, it's a great day to start working on forgiveness. Her immediate reaction was, you cannot be serious. In fact, I think what she said was, what are you, high or something? Like, how dare you put something hard and heavy on me when I'm the one who was hurt? Forgiveness. It may seem like a strange topic to bring up in a series on mental wholeness, but then again, despite the odds that I shared with you earlier, many of us will say when the topic of mental health arises, oh, that's great, that's, it's so important, but you know, it doesn't really pertain to me. I'm fine, I'm fine, I really am. And that may be true. But given the statistics about mental health, the chances are we're not all fine. When asked, do you want to be healed, we might just find that, you know what, it's a great day for us to work on forgiveness. Before we can talk about how we're going to tackle the subject of forgiveness, we need to look at why forgiveness is something we even should be interested in. And for us Christians, of course, it always starts with Scripture. It starts with the Bible. Micah 7.19 says that God will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far God removes our transgressions from us. And in our scripture reading today from Romans 8, as little Roman Yepes has reminded us, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we have to start there. We, there's nothing we can do that will make God love us any more or any less than God already does, period. And by the grace of God, we can be forgiven of anything, anything. Now, we still have to face the consequences of our actions, but there is nothing that is outside the scope of God's forgiveness. There is no condemnation for us because of the love and grace, the sacrifice, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ Jesus. And because of that, Colossians 3.13 reminds us to bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. Even Jesus, when teaching his disciples to pray, taught this, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You see, friends, the bottom line as followers of Jesus is that we're called to forgive because we have already been given, totally forgiven, totally and completely by God. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul didn't say, oh, wouldn't it be great if there was no condemnation? No, he said there is no condemnation, period. Now go and do likewise. In his book, The Art of Forgiving, author Lewis Smead says that there's really only two genuine options for responding to a personal injury that we did not deserve. 
vengeance or forgiveness. Any other way of responding is really just denial. Now, vengeance, well, that's a passion to get even. But the reason that getting even doesn't make life more fair is that it never actually happens. It can't. I mean, the reason we can't get even is that victim and offender never weigh pain on the same scale, right? One of them is always behind in that exchange of pain, and it just keeps going and going and snowballing and snowballing. That's why there can be incredibly long feuds between, what should we say, the Hatfields and the McCoys, the Hutus and the Tutsis, the Bloods and the Crips, you name the two groups. No progress is ever made towards true healing when vengeance is the response. See, if we have to get even, we're doomed to exchange wound for wound, blood for blood, pain for pain forever. It just becomes perpetual pain. Plus, there's a spiritual dimension we may not have uh, realized in our quest for revenge. Rob Bell, in his NUMA video series, he's got an episode called Luggage. It's fabulous. You can find it on on YouTube. It's probably about 10 minutes long. It's totally worth you watching. But in that, he says this. Revenge on the deepest level is like saying to God, I don't trust you to deal with this because I don't know what you're going to do. I want to be in control of this. I actually think I can do your job better, God, than you can. Hmm. Now, forgiveness is no magic wand or guarantee that things will suddenly be more fair between two people. But it does open up the window of opportunity. Revenge always makes things more unfair than before. Forgiveness, at least, ah, at least that leaves room for healing. And sometimes, well, maybe most of the time, uh, we are the ones. The one who needs to forgive others is the one who benefits most from forgiving. Forgiving is a healing action, and we all need to be healed, don't we? Lewis Mead so famously said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and then discover that prisoner was you. Or as Annie Graham Lotz puts it, refusing to forgive is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. <laughs> Not the smartest move. R.T. Kendall in his book, Total Forgiveness, makes a wonderful list of what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. And as you listen to this list, it may challenge some of your assumptions. He says, forgiveness is not approval of what someone has done to hurt you. It is not excusing what they did. It is not justifying what they did. It is not pardoning what they did. It does not release them from the consequences of their actions. It is not reconciliation. That may happen down the road, but it requires the participation of two people, and that's not always possible or desired. Forgiveness is not denying what the other person did, nor is it blindness to what has happened or forgetting. It's not refusing to take the wrong seriously, and it's definitely not pretending that, oh, we were never really hurt in the first place. What? Does Dr. Kendall say forgiveness truly is? Well, it's being aware of what someone has done to you and still forgiving them. We often want those who have hurt us to not only suffer, but to know that they're suffering because of what they've done to us. Am I right? Can, Can anyone else relate to that? 
And we have to let go of that for forgiveness to take place. It's choosing to keep no record of wrongs. Kendall believes that many marriages would experience overnight healing if both spouses would stop pointing the finger at each other and keeping score. Because instant grace covers a multitude of sins. It's refusing to punish. I mean, if we're lucky, we can get close to justice. But as we mentioned a moment ago, there is never closure when it comes to vengeance. Forgiveness involves not telling others what someone did to wound you. Now, this one is difficult, right? But talking about how we've been wounded is often done to hurt another person's reputation or credibility. And really, that's just another way of trying to punish them. Now, of course, if you have been abused or if a crime has been committed against you, you absolutely need to tell the proper authorities. But this is about uh, telling your friends and others, oh, you know what that person did? They just hurt me so badly. Forgiveness is about being merciful and gracious. It's a graciousness that's shown by what you don't say about someone, even when what you could say about them is absolutely true. Kendall remarks that self-righteous people often have a hard time being gracious because they so often insist on wanting the truth to come out, no matter what the cost. Forgiveness is an inner condition. Now, this is an important piece to understand Because reconciliation is not an essential tool to forgiveness. Remember, reconciliation takes both parties. But if one truly forgives another from the heart, it doesn't matter whether the other one wants or is even willing to reconcile. And this insight may be just the message that someone needs to hear today. It can happen inside you without ever bringing it up to the person that hurt you. Forgiveness is the absence of bitterness. And this is so important. Bitterness is one of the primary ways the Bible says that we grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 30 to 32 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ In Christ, God has forgiven you. Now, bitterness manifests itself in many ways. See if any of these uh, connect in your life. Losing your temperature, temperature, losing your temper, don't lose your temperature, don't lose your temper either, Uh, high blood pressure, irritability, sleeplessness, an obsession with getting even, depression, isolation, a constant negative perspective on life, and generally feeling unwell. If, if any of those symptoms you're finding in your life, maybe you need to take some time to search your heart and see if there isn't some bitterness holding on somewhere that you need to ask God to help you begin to let go of. You see, the bottom line is that forgiveness is all about healing. And most of the time, it's we who have been hurt that needs healing the most. Those who need to forgive need it more than the ones who need to be forgiven. I mean, they probably need it too, but we especially do. And Dr. Kendall said one more thing in his book that really caught my attention. He said that the greater the sin, we must forgive. So the the deeper the hurt and pain that has been inflicted upon us, 
the greater the measure of God's Holy Spirit that will come to us in our forgiveness. Right, so listen to that again. The greater the sin we must forgive, the greater the measure of the Holy Spirit that will come to us in our forgiveness. And as your pastor, I know you've shared with me, some of us have been through some horrible experiences, some painful and extremely traumatic experiences over the course of your life. And listen to this. I do not believe that God caused any of that to happen. I am not a, oh, it was, must have been God's plan or God's will. No, people make choices, and their choices impact others, and oftentimes it hurts other people. And that is not what God intended. But I do believe that God can fill that hurt and pain with an equal measure, a greater measure of his Holy Spirit to bring healing and wholeness into your life. I'm so sorry for the hurt that many of you've experienced. But know that as deep as your hurt runs, as deep as that pain is, God's grace can come even deeper. If you've ever come to the point in your life where you think to yourself, you know what, I can never forgive that. I can never forgive that. Well, then you have a unique opportunity that others may never get. Because you have the opportunity to receive God's power and God's spirit in an equally deep, real, and tangible way as you forgive. Don't miss that opportunity. There's a series of stories in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, surrounding uh, this character named Jacob. Jacob was Abraham's grandson. He was one of the twins born to Isaac and Rebekah. His brother Esau technically was the older of the two because Esau came out first. In fact, Jacob came out grabbing onto the heel of his brother. So his nickname became Grabber. Esau's nickname was Harry because, well, he had a lot of hair. Now, Esau was a man's man. And as he grew up, he loved hunting out in the woods He he was the apple of his father, Isaac's eye. Jacob, on the other hand, he grew up a mama's boy. He preferred hanging around the tents. Well, Grabber kept living up to his nickname. And there's this story where, where Esau came back from a day of hunting and he was starving. And Jacob, who just stayed home and watched cooking shows all day, could whip up a mean stew. And, and so he traded a bowl of his prime reserve in exchange for Esau's monetary claims on being the oldest brother. And then another time when it looked like good old dad was not long for this world and he was ready to give his final blessing to his eldest Esau, Grabber, I mean mean Jacob, uh, with the help of mom, tricked dad into blessing him instead. Isaac was old and mostly blind at this time, plus Jacob could could do a really good Esau impersonation, right? Now the fallout was horrendous. Esau was livid. He vowed to kill his brother. And I don't mean that metaphorically. Literally wanted to kill his brother. In fact, mom had to help Jacob get out of town quick, sending him off to her brother Laban, who lived back in her homeland. And over the next 20 years, the story goes that Jacob got married twice, had 13 children from as the young people say today, four different baby mamas. And the story is incredible. You should really read it if you haven't ever. But but at one point, God tells Jacob, you know, it's time for him to leave Uncle Laban's and to go home to face the music with Esau. Now, suffice it to say, he was scared. For 20 years, he'd been thinking about how he pulled a fast one over on his brother and was able to escape with his life. But now the time of reckoning had come because when God calls you to do something, you do it. 
Jacob returns home with a large entourage, as you might imagine, 13 kids, four moms, plus servants and livestock. Jacob gets word that Esau is coming out with a horde of people himself to greet him on the way. Jacob's worried that his brother is probably going to attack him and, and, and maybe kill him. So he divides his family, his group, his entourage into three groups in order of uh, ascending order of importance to him, the least favored ones up at the front and the most valued ones in the back, you know, in case the first group might need to take one for the team, right? He was also planning on giving a whole bunch of servants and livestock as a peace offering to his brother in hopes that maybe he wouldn't uh, kill him. Here's how that encounter goes down. Uh, Genesis 33, beginning at verse 4. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, no, please, if I find favor with you, then accept the present from my hand. For truly to see your face is like seeing the face of God since you have received me with such favor. For 20 years, Jacob lived with the burden of how he had cheated his brother. It had haunted him day and night, and Jacob was worried out of his mind about coming home, knowing the grudge that his brother would be holding against him for over two decades. And yet Esau, despite being done very wrong by his own brother, somehow found it in his heart to forgive Jacob. Now, we don't know when he was able to do that, at what point in the journey. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But Esau refused to let his brother continue to hurt him over and over again for those 20 years by holding on to that hatred and bitterness. He stopped drinking that poison. He let the pain go. Jacob couldn't believe it. Evidently, that wasn't the way he was wired. Friends, Lisa Turkhurst says we weren't carried to create the weight, to carry the weight of unforgiveness. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, we were not created to carry around unforgiveness in our lives. And for many of us, this may be a crucial step in bringing about our mental wholeness, especially right now during this pandemic. Maybe this is a good day to start working on forgiveness. Remember that scene with Lisa and her counselor? When Lisa told him she couldn't even fathom forgiving her husband, he said, okay, well, let's then start with your pain. Great, she said, I can do that. And then he handed her a, a stack of three-by-five index cards. And he asked her on each card to write down a different way that your husband had hurt, traumatized, or wronged you. One per card. She said, yeah, I can do that. And she started writing down and writing, and it just flowed out, all the pain and the hurt and the anger and the frustration and the bitterness. It all flowed out as she had all of these cards spread out on the floor around her. And when she finished, she looked at her counselor, and she could see tears in his eyes, and she said, for the first time, I realized that someone had dared to bear witness to the depth of my pain, and it was the greatest gift anyone could have given me. Lisa retells this story in her powerful new book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And allow me to give you the Cliff Notes version of what happened. 
After writing out all of her pain on those index cards, her counselor had her go one by one to each individual item and description of pain and hurt and to say to each of those cards, I forgive her husband Art for doing this. And the counselor said, it doesn't matter if you don't feel like forgiving it, just say it. Because feelings are often the last things to come around when it comes to forgiveness. And, he added, you can also say that whatever my feelings cannot yet allow for, I trust the blood of Jesus will cover. I trust that the the life, the death, the resurrection, all of what Jesus stood for, I trust that what I can't feel in my heart right now, as I say, I forgive whatever it is in your life and whoever it is that has hurt you and wronged you so deeply, that I trust that Jesus will cover it. And then the counselor gave her red pieces of felt. You can use red construction paper if you'd like. And place those on top of every single index card that you spread out on your floor. Jesus has already done What we cannot do, Lisa writes. And she was able to visualize the forgiveness that Jesus had given her so that she could in turn forgive her husband. And at that moment, she testifies, the deep and abiding pain that she had carried for so long was finally severed. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are debted indebted to us. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It took, it took two more years for Lisa and her husband to come back together and to be reconciled and to reunite, and they renewed their vows after a very difficult time in their history. You'll have to get the book to read about that process, which was also amazing, but know this, friends. Forgiveness doesn't always require reconciliation. Sometimes it's just not safe or smart to reunite with those who have hurt us deeply. But that's okay, right? Because forgiveness is about what happens in us. As Lewis Smead said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and then discover that that prisoner was you. Next week, we'll finish the series by looking at the difficult yet extremely contemporary topic of suicide. In the meantime, take take every opportunity you have today to allow God's Spirit to scan your heart and to see where you may be holding on to bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. Do you want to be healed? That's the question. You know, it just might be a great day to start working on forgiveness. So may it be with each one.